Driving, spinning, skating, in! 1.1 to go! Oh my goodness, Tyrese Maxey! Daniel Hall fills the lane and fills it up! What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pick Swap Podcast. My name is Sean Bedard, and back after a little break, as usual with me, is James Brain. We are back on the same page, and we have actual basketball to break down today. So, James, I'm going to hit you with first. Are you as back in as I am right now? I've never been more back in. There we go. There we go. That's <laughs> what I like to hear. I was a little surprised, and we're going to kick things off in this episode. We're going to break things down, talk a little bit about the preseason matchup, some of the notable takeaways in there, shift gears, talk about the James Harden conversation as a whole, the the uh, rumored trade package that came out, which the Sixers are receiving from the Clippers, as well as talk about Joel Embiid officially committing to Team USA and everything else. But let's kick things off with preseason. I'll start by saying, James, I was not that excited about preseason, that this was a football Sunday, just coming home from the radio station. Eagles were playing all this. But then I flipped it on, had it recorded, watched it back, and I was thrilled, man. I saw some stuff that I was excited to see. There was some mo- more movement. There was guys running around on defensively, guys making things happen. It felt more like modern basketball, and that was my number one takeaway. But I want to throw it to you right away. What were your first impressions, and what was your level of excitement and takeaways watching that game? Um, every possession, they were getting up and down the floor as fast as they could. I think that this roster is like we've kind of turned a corner where we're kind of deep uh, in a way that we haven't been in, in years past. And um, there's, you know, young guys like Springer who I'm sure we'll, we'll spend some time talking about, but then there's vets that, you know, PJ obviously, but Pat Bev and Kelly Oubre who did some things. He definitely was there. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's just plenty of guys that were in and out of that rotation that it was like, Oh wow. Like this guy could be getting rotational minutes. And um, you know, the Celtics played all five of their starters. Obviously it's preseason. So none of this really matters, but in that case, um, they competed. They played really hard. Uh, it was nice to see this, you know, whatever you want to call it, Nick Nurse style of basketball kind of come into life. And yeah. all of the things that have been talked about through camp and uh, through the first like two weeks of this season, you know, we're getting after it. We're, we're rebounding. We're pushing pace. We're doing all this stuff. It was nice to see it actually play out live um, and against a team like the Celtics, who obviously is going to be one of the best teams in the East. Uh, not that this is a measuring stick by any means, considering the matchup and the, and the time, but um, it was still nice to see them kind of go out there and compete. And there was a lot of fun stuff that happened um, with some of our, our favorite guys. So it was, it was, it was good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, it is preseason game. Number one, everything should be taken with a grain of salt right now, but we still have some takeaways from this match. I mean, if you're going to put a game of basketball in front of me, I'm going to give you my takeaways on it. So let's begin right Fair at enough. the top. I think Tyrese Maxey and Jaden Springer were the two stories of this game. I want to start with Springer on this because he's a guy who has been more of a question mark within the Sixers organization. We know he was drafted with a 28th overall pick two years ago at this point. Has not seen much time. He's played 93 total minutes in the NBA to this point. Very much kind of hamstrung and handcuffed by the Doc Rivers experience. As much as there's been noise about the Paul Reeds and the other guys not receiving opportunities. I saw the Paul Reed quote talking about uh, if he had shot three-pointers like that with Doc Rivers, he probably wouldn't have played against or played the next 10 games. So a lot more veiled shots at Doc coming out as well. But what were your thoughts on Springer as a whole, James? He's legit, man. He's a legit NBA player, I think, is like the biggest takeaway is just like he can actually play. Um, he's kind of a something that surprised me, I think, and, and something that we've seen like um, parts of in 
what we've seen in summer league and some of the G league games and um, some of the time that he spent in the NBA. Uh, some of the games, I remember the Hawks game last year um, where he got some time and he's kind of a connector offensively. He's like, does some things kind of quirky. He's a little weird offensively. His, his points of attack are strange, but he makes mm-hmm. good passes. He makes right reads. It was nice to see him attack the basket. Um, he had a nice dunk on a, on a maxi dish, uh, which play. is like his bounce is it's like shocking. It's, it's surprising exactly. to see. It's yeah. weird though. Cause he's not, he's not like, he's obviously just like a strong kind of wide build guy, but the way he jumps, it just seems like he elevates for a lot longer. Um, and you saw that obviously on the block of Tatum, which is just like incredible. The best thing ever. I literally like was like, damn. I was surprised he got up there to contest, let alone cleanly block that. Um, but defensively, dude, he's an absolute dog. He's everywhere. Long arms, really strong, can kind of guard up, which is really nice to have. It's similar to kind of what Melton can do, um, but he's significantly stronger in like his base and core. Um, he just looks like he's a, a menace out there. Like I, I wouldn't want to deal with him as a ball handler. Um, he's eager to play on that side of the floor as well. And he hit a couple of threes. His shot looked nice, looked comfortable. And um, I think with some of the interviews I've seen as well, he's showing a little bit of personality. He seems like a good kid. Um, yeah. So I think I've really, you know, we're kind of always been, we're predisposed to want these young guys to be good. Um, so I think we kind of put our eggs in their basket a little bit early, just naturally. Um, but it's really nice to see a kid like this because I, I do think um, he's going to end up being like a real legit role player. I don't know what his role will be. But I think he's going to be—he's one of those guys that's—he's going to make it hard not to play him with yeah. what he does well on a basketball court. Yeah, and I want to start. You kind of mentioned it here, but I want to start by just showing this Jason Tatum block team, here. Uh, here. This was kind of what stole the show and the headline for Jaden Springer. That's an incredible block, and I've said this on a Sixers Digest video today. But there's another world where if this happens at another moment of a game in a real regular season game or a playoff game. This is like like a legacy kind of play. Like the ability to do that is something that we should not brush over. Like that's meeting Jason Tatum at the rim like that. But I think there was much more than this, just that in the substance of his play. I do think Jaden Springer has improved, even from watching him in Delaware and in the brief moments that we've got on the NBA court. It felt like like he was much more confident in what his role is, what he should be doing on the court. And I think he benefited from playing next to guys like Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris and guys like that. I think oftentimes when we see him in settings like Summer League or these kind of unstructured environments, even the G League, where he's kind of looked at to be more of the guy, he's never going to be an NBA player, whereas creating his own shot is his bread and butter. He's this offensive engine. That's not him. So I think he looked better having guys that he can rely on by that and just staying in his lane, doing the things that he's good at. I thought he was pretty smart as a cutter. That stood out to me in a great deal. That's something that I had not really seen from him before. Defensively, he's as advertised the way that he can move, especially laterally. His lateral quickness is unreal, the way he can kind of stick with a guy on a perimeter. So I like him. I agree with your point that uh, I think he's going to be hard not to play, and he's very much going to be in the mix. And the last, my last point on Springer specifically is every player has a different path as far as when it comes to the NBA. This kid's still 21 years old. There are guys that entered the NBA this year that are older than him, that come out of college, spend four years in college, whatever the deal is. This is just a part of his developmental track. The Sixers knew he was a project when he was drafted. It is no surprise that it took two years for him to develop. 
we're just starting to see what Jaden Springer can be. And this is the same guy that they believed he was when he got drafted. So for the people who just kind of tossing Jaden Springer in mock trades, they're kind of writing him off because he has not really done any damage in two years. I think this is the season where we can actually begin to judge what he is as a basketball player. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a big deal for the Sixers as well. Like he has an option that they'll more than likely pick up, right? Like these are guys that in a, a window of contention are incredibly important to develop. Um, and obviously you got a real spike in, in development from Maxi. Uh, Springer's been a, a lot more gradual um, and you've seen the steps kind of similar to Paul Reed and um, we're kind of clamoring for him to get on the court at times and just you know, hoping to see what he might have. And uh, the reality is it was never going to happen under Doc. And I, I am actually, I don't even know how to feel about all of the disrespect that Doc has taken over the last two weeks. Way more so. than I expected. Way more. Way more. <laughs> and like guys are firing it off. It's Paul Reed. It's Daniel House. Like what Springer himself. On? Springer himself Spring. said in my, in the entire time I've been in the NBA, I've never had a coach break things down in the way that Nick Nurse has. It's yeah. Like, it's like the well, first yeah, you've been in the NBA for two years, man. You've had one head coach here. So who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, there's not much hiding there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But no, it's true. I think like Nick Nurse is a guy that is going to be willing to play him and let him work through mistakes. And um, he's also a guy I think Nick Nurse like loves to have on his roster. Like, yeah. He's a bulldog. He's a dude that's going to pick up full court. He's going to do all the little things defensively. And he's a guy that wants to get out on the break. He wants to have those opportunities to score because the half court, like you said, is like really isn't where he's been effective for his career. He He's kind of one of those like forward power guards, I guess is right. a better way to put it. Um, and something we've seen not work out in the past, but really I think his skill set and his verticality is his athleticism. But you're finding yourself in this young core, like, People think DeAnthony Melton's way older than he is. He's only 24, 25. So, yeah. like, if you look at between Maxi, Reed, Springer, you add Melton in there, like, you're a, you have a young group there that can be really impactful for you, not only this year, but in the coming seasons. And with that, you now have an extensive either role in the bench or you have guys that can come in and meet in the starting lineup to connect between some of the stars that you're hopefully either getting back in a trade from Harden or you know, signing next off season, you're going to need these guys to produce because you're going to have gaps in your rotation and you can't just keep asking to sign guys for 10, $15 million. It's going to have to be Springer. It's going to have to be Reed who you got on a cheaper deal. It's going to have to be Maxi, who obviously is going to get maxed out next summer, but I think it's really important for him to develop. And it's been really nice to see it happen um, right in front of our eyes. And I can't, he's the guy that I tuned in for really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just to rattle off his stats to kind of put a bow on Springer here, 24 minutes, finished with 14 points, five rebounds, two assists, had a steal, a block, two turnovers, two fouls, uh, shot five of seven from the field and two for two from three, two for three at the free throw line. And both those three-pointers were basically with no hesitation either, that he looked confident taking them, which to me is a better takeaway there. So I am very happy with what we saw from Springer. That's going to be something to monitor throughout. To shift gears now, let's jump into Tyrese Maxey because he is a guy who was kind of throwing the reins, asked to run the offense, and I think responded very well to that. That To rattle off his stats, he led the Sixers in minutes, playing 29 minutes. He finished with 24 points, shot 9 of 17 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 3 for 3 at the free throw line, also added 4 assists, 4 rebounds, a steal, and a block, and had 4 fouls in the matchup. What do you think of Maxey's performance? Yeah. I mean, it he's he's the real deal man um it's yeah. it's kind of crazy to think that we're expecting him to take another jump but i don't think it's outrageous for us to 
to feel that way. I think it is going to happen. Um, he's going to he's gonna be handed a plate. Yeah, I think he's going to be handed a, a plate with a little bit more food on it than he has before. But, you know, like we've seen in the past, every time his role has gotten bigger, he's produced even more and um, been even more efficient. And obviously he started off the game incredibly hot, like scorching hot, um, which is great to see. And, and, you know, he's historically struggled against the Celtics. So, again, while it is a preseason game, the intensity isn't necessarily as high as the last time they faced the Celtics. Um, but this is it's still nice to see right they've got length on the perimeter they've got a rim protector he was able to not only attack the basket well shot the ball well early creating his own shot most of the time um you know from everything we're seeing maybe the uh production in terms of passing the ball or creating for others isn't necessarily there um i think that there's still like i don't want to say avoiding that but maybe like spoon feeding him that portion of his role um and maybe seeing what happens down the line um, and maybe that is something that they're thinking we got to we have to find whoever replaces Harden has to have some ball handling responsibility. Maybe that's the thought process. Hard to tell at this point. Um, but basically, he looks like himself, which is great to see. And he's looked like he's added some more to his game. He looked comfortable taking off the dribble jumpers mid range as well, which I like. Um, mm-hmm. But he's a dog, man. He's a, he's just a scorer. He's flat yeah. out can, can score the basketball. Absolutely. And I do agree with kind of your concern with the playmaking. He didn't show many strides in that category in the way that I'd hoped that cut by Springer where Maxi has the layoff and Springer dunks. It was my favorite play of the entire game from both parties, seeing Maxi kind of draw a defender and make that right decision, seeing Springer know where to cut and rise up and then slam that down. That was my favorite play of the entire game from both their angles. But I do agree that I don't know if Maxi's going to get there as a point guard, at least this year. He's a guy that's a natural scorer, and I don't want to stop him from that. That I was impressed with some of those shots he were hitting was not easy shots, too. He was coming off movement, catch and shoot, shooting in motion, things like that, coming off screens. So I was very thrilled. He had the one where he kind of singled Al Horford out, where he had kind of a hesitation yep. into a step back. That I That's a tough bucket, and, and the quality of shot that just very few guys are capable of hitting. So to see him have that in the bag and continue to being improving as a scorer is a huge deal. I really do think this guy is going to be an nba star that i'm completely bought in on i'm i'm just wanna i i believe he's on a rocket ship heading up right now and i just want to cling on that i'm all in on what max he's going to become and it's cool to just keep seeing this as much as this is like a normal trajectory for many nba players of kind of his category the sixers just haven't dealt with cut, like this much linear growth out of a player so it's cool to see maxi continue to put one foot in front of the other and i do think there's an aspect of as we're going to circle into this james harden conversation in a little bit don't let any bit of James Harden prevent Tyrese Maxey from continuing to growing. Whatever that means internally or externally in a deal, don't let James Harden get in the way of Tyrese Maxey's continued growth. It all depends on what's going on in the inner circle and in these conversations for what exactly the outcome is that. But that is something that I want to put to the table now. Any other thoughts on Maxey or any other guys that jumped out to you? Yeah, I mean, there's tough shot makers in the league, right? There, there's guys that produce and when things tighten up, when when playoffs come around defenses are stronger the units are stronger themselves like you got to have guys that just make tough shots that are comfortable and it, it looks effortless i think with with maxi it never looks like he's putting you know himself out of stress when he's sidestepping yeah. for a three it never looks like he's hoisting the ball from the hip when he's you know five six feet behind the line he's just very natural he's very gifted but he's putting in a ton of work and um no you're completely right like he's a guy that continues to grow and like he is a very very necessary portion um and and his skill set um will really i think benefit the sixers as much as he's allowed to 
blossom this season into being like a, a higher rated version of himself um, going into this year. But completely yeah. agree with you. All right, let's hit on a couple smaller pieces here. I don't think we got to go in as in-depth for these guys. Let's start with Pat Bev and P.J. Tucker. I'll lump into one category here. Yeah. I guess the dogs <laughs> of these Sixers. I'll speak pretty positively of both these guys. That The biggest thing that I wanted to see is I thought physically both those guys looked really good. I thought they moved well. I thought they were spry. Pat Bev, I do think, is going to contribute to this team. I think he's very much going to be a Nick Nurse piece of this puzzle where he's able to do these defensive things, handle these matchups. We saw him uh, guard Tatum for a, a decent stretch there. Things like that that I think Pat Bev is really just going to be asked to do, and I think he can deliver. So I, I was happy to see both those guys seeming to have some in the, the tank. Also, I saw Maxi ragging on P.J. Tucker after the game for the shorts yeah. as he's sipping a Bud Light in the locker room. Very funny to me. So how about Pat Bev and P.J. Tucker? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with them is, you know, they look alive. They look like they're ready to go. They look like they're enjoying yeah. themselves. And I like Pat Bev, man. I, I, I we've, we've been we've been high on PJ Tucker. I, you know, necessary guy to have around. I think he sets a tone. Um, and Pat Bev is another dude that's just gonna get after it. Um, he's not gonna let guys let up. Um, and and while it's it may seem a little bit um to be a lot sometimes, like his personality is a lot. I think it's like got to give him a lot of credit for just being consistently at that level. Um, I, I, I think he's, he's, yeah. I mean, it's what his, that's his brand, man. It's what he wants to do on the yeah. basketball court. And um, that's Made the guy you love to have on your team. And yeah, yeah it, it's, he's going to eat it up. He's going to pick up guys 94 feet. He's going to make life annoying for the other players. And, you know, that is a valuable asset to a team. So I love Pat Bev. Um, I'm actually, I'm excited that he's actually finally here. It seems like he was, should have been a six or five years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. And B-Ball Paul now, uh, a little bit more of a time for B-Ball Paul to reel it in a little bit that I think he it was very much enjoying the freedom that Nick Nurse is allowing to him to rattle off his stat line. Paul Reed played 23 minutes, finished with five points, five rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, four fouls. He shot one of eight from the field, oh, one from three, it was three of four at the charity stripe. What do you think of Paul Reed? Yeah, um, this is kind of the trial run for him. This is his chance to get it all out of his system before his he gets kind of reeled yeah. back in. Um, but nope, no issues with it. Obviously, Paul's gonna be Paul. He's gonna do what Paul Reed do, as he says himself. So it, you know, it's just one of those things. You you let him go. You take the leash off. You let him go. You see what he does. He was a little bit all over the place, but um, you gotta give him these moments right now um, to let him learn through and work through. And I think. Um, you know, without Embiid or any of the other guys really creating for him, he's kind of just out there, just vibes only. And, yeah. uh, you know, I can deal with that for now. And it'll be interesting to see what he kind of slides himself into for this year. But I didn't take too much of it into account. I kind of just was like, yeah, Paul's doing his thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a preseason Paul game. Uh, I have no issue yeah. with him really getting, make sure he's getting his touches in. Uh, I think it's funny. It was funny to see him very clearly like step outside of his box. He still brought some of the good Paul Reed, especially on the offensive glass. I thought he stood out defensively. I thought he still had his moments where he showed some nice things. So it was not all bad, but it's definitely moments for when this is the real season. Let's reel in it a little bit. Maybe not taking a mid-range jumper off your own creation and stuff like that in the way that he kind of took the freedom to do in this game. But you know what? It is preseason. I'm not going to rag him for it. Man just got paid. Let him live it up and play the way that he wants yeah. to play. Absolutely. Tobias Harris now. Uh, Tobias Harris played 22 minutes in this matchup. He finished with 13.7 rebounds, a steal and a block, two turnovers, shot five of 12 from the field, one of three from three. It was two of two at the charity stripe. 
I hate to be this guy, but I hate watching Tobias Paris play basketball, man. It really, like, we saw the bad version of Tobias when there's no James Harden, when there's no Joel Embiid. I'm sick of the Collier number, post out, the mid-range fadeaways. Those are, like, his bread-and-butter shots, and I just can't stand it. But Tobias Harris was there. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I was going to say, this is, uh, it was Tobias Harris. Uh, he is yeah. who he is. Yeah. Um, I think Tobias is a great dude, and he's going to be himself this season, regardless of the outcome. Um, and he just got, he got to, he got to work, man. He got to doing what he was doing the first like minute of the game to buy Sarah's post up. And it's like, you know what? We're yeah, back. right away. I think it was first we, possession. <laughs> we are back, man. <laughs> yeah. First time he touches the ball. I was like, yeah, let me, he's like, <laughs> he's like the old head at like, whenever your family gets together, he's like, let me see that. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, we're playing two on two. You don't need to post <laughs> up right now. And he's just, he's the dude just does that. He's, he's at yeah. the block. And he's ready to go. He's he's hitting that fadeaway jumper, whether it goes in or not. So just a bias, man. Just T. Yeah, we are finally in the last year of the Tobias Harris deal. It feels like it has taken a decade, but we are finally there. I can't wait to see what he actually gets paid when we when he's a free agent this offseason. I really have no clue what his market's going to look like because he's still a good player. Like he's still a useful NBA player and a, a lot better than a lot of guys. But I just see like no really usage for the things that he's good at on a winning team. It's it's really unfortunate. Like. <laughs> Think about only Sixers right now, and we've dealt with this for several years. There's never a reason to give Tobias Harris a post-up when you have Joel Embiid sitting next to him. Now, are there teams where Tobias Harris might be the best post-option? Sure. But how many teams are calling even post-options? The only reason these Sixers do that is because Joel Embiid is the star of their team, and he's one of the few guys who has the ability to kind of command those shots. You'd be really good to be calling post-ups in today's NBA. Tobias Harris is a good basketball player. He's not quite a, a needle mover in that way that you can get your own number called like that. I have no idea what the future of his career will look like. As you mentioned, great guy, phenomenal teammate, good locker room dude. But I will look forward to the day where he's no longer wearing a Sixers jersey. I'm going to miss him when he's gone. I am. Let's I'm talk about a couple of new faces. I'm going to miss him. I, I appreciate that, James. I'm sure he appreciates that as well. I do like Tobias as a human being standpoint, but man, you know, $35 million, get it off the books. All right, let's talk about a couple of the new faces here. I want to start with Mo Bamba and Kelly Oubre here. So I don't think it was either of their finest games by any means. I think we saw a couple of the flashes of why they are who they are from both the positive and the negative side of things. Mm-hmm. Mo Bamba, I'm probably more pessimistic of than I am of Kelly. I think Kelly's going to have his nights. He pretty much is who he expects. I saw him get beat on a two backdoor cuts that made me upset. I didn't like to see that because that is an area where I will be paying attention to him that you at least have to just hold up defensively, but there's going to be the nights where he gets hot. There's going to be the nights where he's unplayable. It's just the Kelly Oubre roller coaster that I think we're strapped yeah. on to. Mo Bamba, I was a little more pessimistic just from the standpoint is I'm not sure what he is as like a, an elite talent. Like what is his defining trait that makes him an NBA player? I get that he's big. I get that he's seven foot. He's got these wingspan, but I don't think he's quick on the perimeter. I don't think he's that great of a shot blocker and he should be. I don't think he's that gifted as a a touch around the rim guy, as a lob catcher. So as much as I want to like Mo, I see the pick and pop potential, things like that. I was a little uh, underwhelmed by preseason day one. But uh, as we mentioned, just day one. So what are your thoughts on both these guys? Yeah, um, I'm going to give Mo Bamba another chance. I think I was, I don't know what he was doing, really. There was just like, there were too many times where the ball entered the paint and the shot went up and he didn't contest. Yeah, like, like what is that? You're seven foot plus. You should be like you could reach the brim with your hand while you're standing. Like you should be able to block shots. And it just seemed like he wasn't willing to go up. Um, but we'll see. 
maybe he'll turn on something throughout the the year. Uh, you know, maybe they'll find a way to fit him in, or I don't, I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know what his what the expectation is for him at this point. Like, is Paul going to play more four? Is Obama going to be expected to be playing minutes, or is he kind of just like your reserve third center? I don't know. Um, but we'll we'll kind of leave that for another day. I agree with you with Kelly Oubre. He's out there. Um, he's doing yeah. something. He's I don't know what it is really most of the time, but he's doing <laughs> something. Um, he can definitely dunk. He can definitely dunk. He will shoot the three. Um, I wish it wasn't as often or off of his own creation <laughs> as much. Um, but he's gonna do it. I don't. I don't know, man. He, these are guys that just like they're there. They're options, right? Like they're they're out there. They're they're living. Um, but yeah, neither of them. I was really like, I didn't nothing to write home about, nothing to really get excited about for either of them. I I do agree with you that like Bamba showed me less than what yeah. I was anticipating, I guess. But I don't really know what I was expecting, so it's hard to have him live up to a standard that I didn't really have. Um, and then Kelly Oubre, he's going to be a guy that plays, so I am looking to see hopefully him kind of find a stride um, and maybe be a little bit more consistent. But I just don't know if that's his nature. Yeah, I think that's all spot on and fair. The last guy that I want to hit on is Daniel House. Uh, another guy that I think is a great vibes guy that I just don't think I'm quite in on. He's There's aspects of his game that I want to like. I want to be in on Daniel House, but he's just too like scatterbrained and crazy, man. Like, And not that great of a shooter and not that great of a self-creator. He's out of control too often. I want to like Dan House, but I just can't quite do it. Where are you at with him? Yeah, I fear that all of their like bench wings are like the exact same where it's just like what the f- what is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> they just end up with the ball and like their eyes get wide and it's like oh shit, like this is what we're doing right now. Um but regardless, it, it he's fine. Um he can play, I guess. Like he's got to be a guy. I I just hope I think the problem with these guys in years past was that they'd all be on the court at once and it was just like a clusterfuck and it's like these are not none of these things are like really working because nobody knows what they're doing my hope is the rotations are a little bit stronger this year or a little yeah. bit more tactical a little bit more intentional when these guys are on the court so that their kind of their skill sets can be assets to the guys on the court rather than just like a mashup of guy five guys that are from the bench and the only thing right. they have in common is that they that all came off the up. bench yeah yeah so hopefully it's just like a little bit more of a meshing um, of the you know twelve guys that are going to play in the regular season, rather than just like a six and six split, like these guys play together, these guys don't, and you know maybe Daniel House does some things. He he played some good minutes in the playoffs. He did some things. Did. Kelly Oubre doing the same thing hopefully um, this year. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about Daniel House to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and I think we can pretty much put a bow on preseason. My my last final thoughts is I'll say Kristaps Porzingis looked far better than I expected or remembered him as. He looked way yeah. healthier than the last time that we've probably since I've seen him play for the Knicks. So that was probably the healthiest he's looked or the best I've seen him move. So a little concerning from a Sixers perspective there. But let's move on from preseason, talk a little bit about the bigger picture things. I want to start with James Harden here. Of course, the stars had to rest from preseason j- game one. That meant Joel Embiid, James Harden, Furkan Korkmaz, and DeAnthony Melton, of course, could not suit up. So what were your thought process on the Harden situation? I guess I'll start by setting it up this way. It feels like the Sixers are basically just saying, like, hopefully this works itself out. Like, he's now in the building. He's now here. He seems to like his teammates. Maybe this will just be water under the bridge. Do you kind of buy that? Do you think it is the trade stuff, or what? What? How? How much has your mind changed on the Harden thing? 
I don't think he was ever playing in this game. Like, I, I don't yeah, think there was ever a sure. chance. I don't think he'll play it at all until this regular season opener if he's on the roster by then. Um, but I, I feels like there's traction being made um, on that front. You know, you hear different things. And, you know, three weeks ago, the Clippers weren't interested in making a trade for him. So things have at least turned a different corner where it seems like they're try- I'm sure we'll talk about this, so I won't get too into it. But um, I don't think he was ever going to play. I really don't think it was an indictment on any where um you know he you know you just don't want to you want to avoid anything that can hurt the situation more um so he doesn't play totally fine with that Jarrell obviously keep him off his feet don't need it um I don't really know what was good with Furkan or, or D-Melt but it is what it is with those guys they'll, they'll be fine um Furkan's yeah. trying to get traded again I, I guess as well um I actually think this is going to sound crazy don't and you it. know where I'm going with this don't do it I will be the first one back on Furkan's train. I will be. <laughs> We're talking about how, uh, how you talking about how bad the, the wing outlook looks with these other guys. Like, what does Daniel House do? I guess he tries harder on defense than yeah. Furkan. I don't know. Not to get into that, but regardless, Daniel House is a better defender than Furkan. For sure, for sure. Furkan's a better shooter, though. Regard. We're not doing this, but I just wanted to say, <laughs> what if there is a Furkan resurgence? In in that universe, yeah. if that universe exists, I will be there for it. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't think Harden or, or any of those uh, those guys like I don't think it was a surprise that they didn't play. Yeah, I won't I won't pick my battle on the the Furkan fight. Although I am a Fur- I like Furk as well, so I'm not an anti Furk guy. But let's bring up the specific offer that was reported by Sham Sharania of uh, of the Athletic, of course, which is the James Harden trade on the table from the Clippers. Apparently, the Clippers have offered one unprotected first-round pick, a pick swap, and salaries. Those salaries would be some combination or one of the above, including Robert Covington, Marcus Morris Sr., and then uh, the third one is uh, – who's the third one on there? Oh, Nick, Nick Batum. Batum and Nick Batum. So it seems like that – do you feel that this is just kind of uh, you know something that pop up, a rumor? Do you think this is the legitimate offer? Do you think this is – what is preventing it from Daryl Morey's perspective? Is it just simply the lack of offers and this is something that won't be the move move the meter? Or what did you think of that report? Yeah, I think that there's two sides to it. I think one, it's obviously not enough. Like yeah. it's just not. Um, and then the other side of it is like the Clippers are like, why would I offer more? You guys right. are going to have to get, you guys are in a worse situation than us. You have zero um, other offers. Zero other offers. We're bidding against ourselves. Why would we offer more? Um, So it's a weird battle to be fighting right now. I do think that it ends up happening at some point, but I think the situation is the Clippers have to decide whether or not they really want him. Um, If they want him, they can make it happen. If we're really drawing the line at parents, man, we're not that serious about it. Um, If we're really drawing the line at a second, first round pick, it's not that serious, right? I think the situation is the clip or the Sixers are probably like, that's a fine offer. We're not going to take it obviously, but you know what you have to do to get him. He's right here. He's literally yeah. right here. You can have him tomorrow, um, but you just won't do what you have to do. And the Clippers on their side are like, why would I do what you want me to do when he literally doesn't want to play for you and he wants out of there and no one else wants him? So we have to have a, at some point we have to have a leak, a fake leak, whatever it is from one other phantom team um, that is offering. Yeah, hopefully like you just have them put up an offer of two first round picks and Caleb Martin and be like, dude, we'll, we'll take that right now. 
and then the Clippers will be like, okay, fine, we'll give you man and a first. And then yeah, I found a happen. couple other extra first round picks lying around now that yeah, you mentioned. They'll, they'll move some pick swaps around. Although they're in a they're in a tough situation. I don't think yeah. if I'm them, I give up another first. They already don't have any. That's what and I also would like to point out like these could sneaky become very valuable first round picks. Like, say Absolutely. hypothetically that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard leave the Clippers, then what do they do? That they're now without draft picks, they're now without really any superstar guys, potentially James Harden, assuming this deal gets done and that he agrees to a contract extension, which I believe would be coming if they make a trade. Um, but think about that. Like that, these could potentially be a lowly NBA team that these Sixers could have access to their picks. I think that's something the Clippers are obviously cognizant of as well. So they're not really flaunting those things out there. But I do think the the bottom line, I think you summed it up pretty well, that the Clippers have set their line, that they're not going to be bidding against themselves. This isn't the perceived market value of James Harden from Daryl Morey's perspective. But I guess what is the biggest concern in my mind is his value could go down at any point. There could be the moment where James Harden says, I've been a good soldier too much. It's time for me to cause a stir. Like, it's so bizarre, the whole lead up to him even yeah. coming to training camp of all these reports of James Harden's here to make life uncomfortable. And now that he's been in the building in there, it's just kind of been like normal or posting pictures on social. Like he's been here the whole time doing all this. Yeah. So it's very just strange to me, this entire thing. And that's the, the underlying fear that I have is the moment that James Harden enters that mindset of I'm burning the world on fire. Cause think about like when he did this in Houston, he was good all through training camp. He played the first couple games and dropped like 40 and 15 over the first three games. And then he went and said to the media that there's nothing more I can do to push this franchise. And then from there, it was, I'm not trying. I'm getting fat, all these other things. So I guess I, that's still tucked in my mind is while James Harden is here and participating and being a proper NBA teammate, that could change at any moment. And then the Clippers are going to look at that saying, you think we're going to raise our offer for a guy that's doing all this? You guys need to make this trade. And all of a sudden, like the leverage, I guess, shifts a little bit is my underlying concern. Yeah, I have like three thoughts that come from that. Like one being if he plays and has and plays well like the first week, like he get traded right then. Boom. Like that is the actually might be the recipe to success. Um he did end up he did end up getting traded to Brooklyn for a haul, right? If we might yeah. add with oh, yeah. he was a pretty ended up the Rockets didn't end up with the right part of the haul, but he did get traded for a lot. Um mm -hmm. if you look at it on the other side as well, had he just had he just done this in July and just been like, Hey, like I'm going to show up, but like, you guys got to trade me. Like I'm not doing this. He'd probably already be gone. Right. Like had he just been cordial about this from the beginning, I think there's a higher likelihood that he was probably traded at this point rather than doing what he did causing this uproar. Um, and then just like being posted on their social media, but not being what my coworker pointed out. They didn't tag him in anything. They tagged everyone else did not tag his Instagram once. So weird, weird wrinkle there. Um, and then my third thing is this is like weirdly similar to the Dame thing, though, right? Like sure. I could see randomly, I could see a, another team being like, okay, we want it. We got it. We got to make a trade. Like we got to get them. The Miami, and, like, dude, but, I keep saying. well, maybe it's Miami, whoever it is. It's hard to speculate. Um, the Miami might make sense. I don't, who knows? But like Milwaukee was not, wasn't never in the rumors like ever it was toronto it was obviously it was miami for dame it was toronto was like the the sneaky phoenix. team phoenix yeah. yeah like there was some weird shit going on but it never really came down to like oh it's gonna be miami or milwaukee they saw an offer the miami sat on their ass and didn't didn't up their offer at all and then milwaukee snuck in made a big offer and got him so i think this could be something where daryl's thinking the same thing like 
we're waiting this out. We're waiting this out. We're waiting this out. We're not going to take this garbage offer from LA. If you don't up it, somebody else might um, and play that game, but it does feel like it's a ticking time bomb. So they don't yeah. have the luxury of an entire off season. They have the luxury of like a week and a half. So yeah. we'll see what happens. And the only other thing I'll push back there is James Harden so much more of like a niche player than Damian Lillard. Like you can put Damian Lillard on just about any roster and he's useful. I don't think that's the case with James Harden. The way he's so ball dominant, so isocentric in the way that he creates offensively, that's not a fit on every team. Like you throw him on, I don't know, a team like, like I don't know. I, you throw him in a lot of teams and it just doesn't quite make sense. So you have to design your offense to James Harden. Sure. And teams have to be aware of that. And not that he isn't brilliant. He's very good at what he does and still like, a way better NBA player than the general public gives him credit for. But like, I don't think he's as, I guess, in addition to all the baggage, I think purely as a basketball player, he's not as just, you can throw him in the mix like Damian Lillard. I feel like you can. So I don't know. We'll see for the most part. I think these Sixers are in the the same situation. You have another point there. Yeah. I just want to say like, I think Damian Lillard gets the benefit of the doubt way more than Harden does. Like obviously that he does things, his, what he's very good at comes out of premium in the NBA. He spaces the floor like nobody. Like really, there's two or three right. guys in the NBA that does what that do what he does. But he's due a shit ton of money. He's injury prone and getting older, and he is not a good defender either. So like, it's not like he's a flawless player either. I think that sure, there's a lot of sure. people like a lot of teams looked at him and were like, hell no, I, I don't want that either. No matter what he does for me offensively, defensively in playoff situations, he struggled. And he is not like he's not Steph Curry. He's not a guy that like has always had this success late in, in post seasons. He's had a lot of injury history and not to say like Dame is incredible, right? Yeah. Like we're like, these are two all-stars we're talking Average about. Average 33 points per game last year, by the way. Yeah, no, he was a very, very high octane offensive player. No doubt about it. Um, but it's not like he's not flawed either. I do think that there were teams that saw him and said, I, I don't want that either. So I maybe like, and maybe I'm overrating hard and I, I, th- I probably am. Um, for being honest in my my track record. So, you know, it, it's hard to tell. But I do think that Dame is a flawed player, not in the exact same ways, but in certain ways. Um, teams saw that and were like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But I would still push back on the fact that I think Dame competes defensively more than Harden does. I think that there is, like, the floor spacing is a big deal. Yeah, and for sure. Like, for a team like Milwaukee, like, he's a perfect fit yeah. for what, like, there's teams that have needs, which Damian Lillard directly addresses. There, it takes a more niche team. Like you need it. It has sure. to be a team that needs a true point guard that needs a guy that has to have the ball in his hands to basically run an offense and all these other pieces around. So I don't know. We'll sit, switch gears we'll off the, yeah, we'll see. We'll switch gears off the Harden thing for now. I do want to wrap up this podcast by talking about the Joel Embiid officially declaring that he will represent the United States at the Paris 2024 Olympics. James, what was your initial reaction to that? How surprised are you? Did you see this coming? And uh, how do you feel now that you processed it for a little bit? Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited, man. I love Joel. I'm excited that he's gonna he's gonna put the USA on and uh, be part of a dream team kind of deal. It seems like they're gathering yeah. the Avengers here, um, so it should be super fun. They you know hopefully will win a gold medal and it'll be cool to see Joel. And um, I I'm really disappointed in the way that it's been received. Like honestly, I, I feel horrible for the guy. Um, like people are acting like this is like a cardinal sin. Like you don't do this. Um, like even like Victor Wembanyama was like, I'm just so disappointed for Cameroon. And like, I get it. I do. Um, he's not originally from the United States, but he spent what now 12 years of his life, yeah, 14 years of his more life. More than that. More than that. So yeah. Let's more, say, more. let's just say half, right. To be generous, 
half of his life has been spent here. He's made his entire life here. He's grown up for real here. He's become a father here, a husband here. He's grown up in this city. Um, like, I don't know how to explain to people that like he's not shunning his hometown or his home country by wanting to play for the United States. He's a citizen here. Yeah. Um, and like, I just really feel bad for the fact that like people, if you go on any of the posts about him playing for Team USA and you go in the comments, he gets killed in people those comments. It's horrible what people are saying about him. He just wants yeah. to play basketball for his country. Um, and I just really feel like people received it poorly. And, um, you know, they literally, like, people are like, oh, wow, using your son as an excuse to try to get a ring. Like, like, bro, like you guys are weird. You guys yeah. are reacting in a very weird way. Um, but yeah, he's going to go play for an awesome team, dude. Why everyone wants the USA basketball to be great. But then when the great players go play for them, they're like, this is a cop out. Yeah. Like ring chaser. Like what, what is going on? Is that the this course is in a shit place right now, but I'm super excited for Joel because he's going to get to go play with a ton of awesome players and it's going to be so fun to watch. So I'm personally as a basketball fan excited to see that. Yeah. And I'll start by pointing out that Cameroon has never qualified for the Olympics in basketball, never once yeah. in the country's history. They do have a chance to at the 2024 Olympics. But if Joel Embiid's true goal is to play in the Olympics, it'd be such a bummer if he like declared that I'll represent Cameroon and then they don't make it like that would suck. Yeah. And for, as far as the United States, let me just read his full tweet that he sent out because I thought it was very well said. And I agree. I thought it was very cool. Um and Embiid says, sorry, it's a little small on the screen, but he said, I'm really proud and excited about this decision. It was not easy. I'm blessed to call Cameroon, France, and the USA home. After talking to my family, I knew it had to be Team USA. I want to play with my brothers in the league. I want to play for my fans because they've been incredible since the day I came here. But most of all, I want to honor my son who was born in the United in the US. I want my boy to know I played my first Olympics for him. I think that's awesome. I don't know how you can possibly hate that from a no. guy that... It's amazing how family-oriented Joel has become. It's amazing to watch him grow up with this. I'm excited to see him on the biggest stage. And he's absolutely going to be helpful to Team USA, who has not, who has struggled at the big man position. I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. was their primary option in their most recent play, and he struggled greatly at rebounding, playing defense, which is a strange thing for Jaron Jackson to struggle at. But I think adding Joel Embiid next to him, he's a guy who's incredibly talented, the best center in the NBA outside of Nikola Jokic, who, of course, is not American. Uh, unfortunately have to keep wearing that out, but like, I'm excited to see him play with these guys. And I also think it's going to be beneficial to him, both as a player, but having these relationships with these guys, I do think there's a lot of good that come out of it. So I'm overall excited. I was selfishly rooting for France. I kind of wanted to see the Embiid, Victor Wembanyama, and Rudy Gobert on the court together. There's not a team that can possibly finish around the rim. If all three of them are there and it'd be cool to see Joel just being a true wing in the way that he wants to be like, yeah. he could just shock rate, do all that. Let those guys be the, the stiff playing big man. But I am happy with USA. The more that I process it, the happier that I like feel about it for sure. Yeah. I, I I'm excited for it, man. He deserves to play, you know, for team USA. He like, he's a, he is an American citizen. Like he's an yeah, American. Yeah. He's here. Um, I, I really, you know, that honestly like really bothered me uh, looking through the comments and, and reading all that stuff and the way it was received. Um, but you know, from a basketball standpoint, dude, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Um, and he's going to get an experience like no other. And like, you look back at, you know, 2012 team, 2008, obviously, um, you know, 2004, obviously when, you know, these times where the guys decide like, Hey, it's time we got to go, we got to go defend our honor. We got to go show everyone that we're really out here. 
Uh, and this it. feels like it's going to be one of those times. And it's going to be so awesome to have one of our guys there because we've never really had one of our guys there. Um, so yeah. this is going to be sick. I'm super excited for him. Um, and maybe he tampers a little bit. Who knows? God forbid he gets tampered too. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. And um, I'm happy he didn't go to France. Is there? I'm, I'm not going to say anything disparaging towards France on a podcast, but I don't like Rudy Gobert. And the way Victor <laughs> Wembanyama talked about it on his pedestal, I'm not a fan of that as well. So I think I'm going to yeah. be. And I don't like Evan Fournier. Wow. Um, so I think that I am fully rooting against France. I don't want them to win anything. So I'm I'm excited Joel's here. Yeah. Any any strong feelings on baguettes or croissants or anything like that? No, actually, croissants are very good. A chocolate croissant is one they of are. my favorite things to eat. Um, cool. actually, it's really uh, enjoyable. Um, but <laughs> the the three guys I just referenced, I don't know if I'm I, I'm going to hold judgment on, on Wembenyama. He doesn't deserve that yet, obviously. Yeah. All right, well, bear, all fair, obviously, so, we we know. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, you know, past altercations in the situation with Rudy Gobert. Insane that he was ever considered in the same stratosphere as Joel Embiid. It was insane at the time. It's even crazier looking back at it. And we've, we've kind of seen him get exposed with what he is and what he isn't with the Timberwolves a little bit. So, yeah, yeah overall, it will be fun to see Joel Embiid dominating and being on the other side against him. Uh, I It's going to be fun. I'm excited for this Olympics to truly see. he's Embiid's the first six years since Allen Iverson to suit up for Team USA. That's very cool there, seeing all these guys. It's definitely the Avengers of the NBA are, are assembling for this Olympics. So I am excited there. Any final thoughts on, on the Sixers on Joel Embiid or anything else, James? I'm ready to get ac- actually after it here. Season's starting soon. Yeah, man, absolutely. So at the time this will drop, there will be another preseason game coming out for the Sixers. Appreciate all you guys for tuning into this podcast. Me and James will be back with some more takeaways as the season inches closer. Also, don't be afraid to check out my work over at Sixers Digest. Have some more videos coming out just about every day with some short dose Sixers content stuff, some awesome stuff there. But make sure you're subscribing right here on PickSwap Media. Leave a comment. Let me know your thoughts on the episode as a whole. Don't forget to drop a like. We'll be back talking to you next time. Peace.